and welcome to Talking Foosball Extra, the Aufstieg edition, your source for all things Bundesliga 2 and German lower league football. My name is Nick Wiltag and I'm delighted to tell you that we have a jam-packed show lined up for you today. Alongside with me, there's our tactics expert and Bundesliga 2 insider, Jasmine Baba. How are you doing today, Jasmine? I'm good after the weekend. Very exciting weekend. I was at the Werder Bremen Hurt match, which ended in chaos right in front of me. It was a Good, dramatic. I've never had that much drama in a game right in front of me ever before. Oh, you were the one throwing the beer bottles? Oh, I have to be very, very careful what I say. I did not throw anything. I did not (laughs) see. I did see the beer cup after, but I did not see anything. I, I know, I saw the beer cup be, uh, being, like, appearing from the air. Did, did, did you see who threw it? No, I did not. I kind of saw the area from where it came from, but then a second cup was thrown at, I think, the person who threw the initial cup. Wow. So a, a second cup was thrown at the, a troublesome fan. So I think that may have cleared it up for who did it. That is an awful lot of drama. Anyways, alongside Jasmine and me, there is uh, the gallivanting ground topper supreme and refereeing expert, Mike Krickemeyer. Hello, Nick. Hello, Jasmine. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, we're recording this in the morning as Mike is having a very, very busy schedule with, you know, trips to Denmark, this and that. But I can tell you that in part one of the show, we'll take you through the latest developments in the promotion fight in the Bundesliga 2. We'll talk about new coaches coming in and insane choreo. And in part two, we'll give you some more ground hopping advice and some lower league news. is part one of Talking Foosball Extra, the Aufstieg edition. So let's start at the top of the table. Some developments there. Uh, Darmstadt still in first after they drew 1-1 against St. Pauli on a great top spiel on uh, Saturday evening. But the headlines, they were grabbed by a match between HSV and Paderborn. They put up quite some show. Jasmine, just take us quickly through that match. It was chaos, as we all kind of expected it to be. I think a lot of people started doubting Hamburg coming into this match because they had been winless in three games with the draw and two losses against Kaiserslautern, losing so big in the Hamburg derby, and then again against Magdeburg, losing in the way that they did. Everyone's like, same old Hamburg, they're going to just be choking everything again but and it looked to be the same after like uh, Paderborn's like heard scored after three minutes but Hamburg quickly made their way back into the match with a Robert Glatzel goal equalizing 1-1 and then Dompe taking the lead just before half time it didn't last long the second half started with Leipzig getting a brace but shortly before the 70th minute Lajlo Benes made it 3-2 and the goals were all cracking it was end-to-end stuff at times sorry to use that cliche but it really really was exciting and Jean-Luc Domper played a magnificent match he created two goals and scored a third so I always say this that 
Tim Walter has been the best coach for Hamburg in taking that kind of choking mentality off his team and like the pressure off his team. And um, <laughs> Mike has put his head on his hands there. Um, if I jinx them or if I don't jinx them, we will see. But yeah, from last season when they did have this massive fall away from the top of the league to come back into third place and even now to take pressure of his team to come back the mentality is a lot stronger than we've seen in former years and it was a very very good showing for them and it was his tactics and his lineups have improved from the last few games especially from that San Pauli match right I mean the San Pauli match we talked about on the last episode as uh, you know he decided to uh, well I got a defender sent off I don't replace him with another defender I just you know try to do with the the couple of defenders I've left and see if it sticks and it didn't stick. The results on the weekend, the, the HSV Paderborn match, which um, obviously saw two direct rivals for promotion go head to head. Darmstadt dropping points against St. Pauli. Uh, 1-1 draw, which uh, actually uh, could have easily been uh, a win for St. Pauli. I think St. Pauli actually had Lucas Dajna hit the post towards the end of the match there. So anyways, that leaves Darmstadt top of the table with 29 points. HSV in second on 28. Paderborn now in third in uh, on 26 points. But if you look at the next three teams that follow, Heidenheim, Hanover and Düsseldorf, Heidenheim and Hanover on 24 points now, and Düsseldorf on 23 points. So it's really queuing up to be quite some fight for promotion because any weakness for one week or two could be punished severely. So do we have any idea if any of these three or four teams behind uh, Darmstadt and HSV are going to drop out, or might Darmstadt even drop out of that race for promotion? Yes. We see it every year. It, it's always the same. Someone who's leading will drop out of there and someone who's like, oh, I, I've now got money on like, well, I don't actually have money, but my thought money is now on Holstein Kiel. It, they look like the complete mess who comes back. But I've also said that about Dusseldorf. Yeah, it's really weird. And what's weirder is that there's actually a bigger group, like a bigger gap between the top three and everyone else, because normally at this stage, it's one point between each other from first to around ninth. This season, we've actually got a little bit more of a gap compared to others, which is also really strange. So yeah, I don't know what to make of this year. Mike, any predictions or any thoughts about the teams that are currently entangled in that uh, promotion fight? Like Jasmine said, we see it every year. It's uh, just an unpredictable league. And in two or three weeks, well, we do have the winter break, but uh, it, it might look all so much different. And next weekend, Dusseldorf plays at home against St. Pauli. As we all know, they will win 3-0 or something like that because we are just rubbish away. So they will be back in the race, definitely. And for the other teams, we will see. I do not totally agree with the Tim Walter tactic uh, analysis from <laughs> Jasmine. I, I would be so happy if you just jinxed it, but um, I don't trust in that. So, But maybe that's my St. Pauli point of view. So we will see. I mean, that was a little off context. It's um, because of how he set up his team against St. Pauli. I think I can't remember the exact 
who he put, I think he started Koenigsdorfer yeah. or someone else at left wing that I mentioned. And what happened there was that he wasn't giving enough defensive. Tim Valter's teams don't press as good as they should or they need to to be promoted or to beat a better team. And that left them very vulnerable to counterattacks from San Pauli. Something that they, them starting Sonny Kittel and Domper really helped this time around. And that was the context behind that bit. But on that note as well, I just was looking at the table. It's really, really wild that Darmstadt have only lost once this season, which to Regensburg, out of all people, <laughs> and then have been unbeaten since then, but they keep on dropping points and they have loads of draws. In Hamburg, it's like the other way around. They've only had one draw and four losses. And these are, the, but if you look at like the form graph of all the teams, everyone's on like the same form apart from Darmstadt, who have dropped, okay, a few more points in draws recently, but then Braunschweig are the next unbeaten team in, <laughs> like, five. So, yeah, it really doesn't make any sense this year. Yeah. Darmstadt also has so many injuries at the moment, so I think they will keep up the pace and they will <laughs> come back stronger. <laughs> I mean, did, didn't Darmstadt just drop a player from the squad because he wouldn't extend his contract? Yeah, but it was no one. It was a clickbait article. Mm. Everyone thought it was going to be Paddy Pfeiffer and it was just someone that not even I had heard before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't subscribe to Build Plus and this is why. Anyways, I mean, for me, uh, going forward, the Joker of the pack is really Hanover 96 here because uh, if you look at the schedule coming up this weekend uh, they're on the road uh, against Darmstadt on Friday evening the next week in, in the English Woche on Tuesday they play against Fortuna Düsseldorf at home another direct rival for those promotion spots right now and after that on match day 17 the last match day of the year on November 11th they're on the road to Holstein Kiel who are just lurking behind the four points behind Hanover and the others. They might actually get involved if they uh, manage to string together two or three wins in the next three matches. So for me, Hanover is really playing the decisive role of uh, where these six teams are going to end up because uh, if everybody keeps dropping points against one another, it might actually get even tighter. So there's that. Anyways, you mentioned left wing. Uh, let's talk about Eintracht Braunschweig professionals and uh, their left wing tendencies. Jasmine, what are they up to? Well, three of the players were shown to um, start a new business venture. So Yanis Nikolaou, former Dresden player for anyone who knows, Michael Schultz and Fabio Kaufmann have started a new business, which is called Renewable, but there's a dash between Renew and Able, and it's their new green venture. So they are promoting green renewable products from renewable sources. So things like bamboo toothbrushes, cups, things like that. They've got some really cool stuff on this. Like I have to say I might buy some for myself with a focus on preserving energy and green sources. And yeah, Braunschweig are known for being a little bit more green around their club. They're a little bit more progressive. Their president is the only woman in the professional leagues of German football. So it tends to be a little bit more forward thinking compared to other clubs, especially uh, when you go lower league down. And yeah, it's a really nice business venture that they started. I know a few of them... 
And a few football players in general have other business ventures because with the football career and the lifespan, you don't know how long it's going to last. So a lot of them do have other business ventures, including one or two of them already. But it's nice to see an actual green input on top of this. And also it being shown as publicly as Sky to give it a little light of what they're doing. I think especially how they were saying they were already bringing little containers of lunch into their training or taking it back from the canteen. And yeah, they thought they could do this in a green way and start their own business venture of it, which is really, really nice. Good for them. And, you know, as they're right on the website, we don't intend to be the solution, but we want to be part of the solution. And, uh, well, good luck to them. Anyways, Mike, what that made me think about is the fact that football, it does involve a lot of travel. And travel is not necessarily always eco-friendly. I mean, could we expect or should we expect that the DFL and the clubs in the professional leagues should look at themselves and think, hmm, maybe we could make ourselves a little bit more green in terms of how we conduct match days and all of that yeah maybe i'm the wrong person to answer that because yesterday i took a i don't know 400 500 kilometer ride uh, with a car to just watch a for me more or less meaningless match in denmark <laughs> it was a tesla right it was a tesla, it, tesla. unfortunately no but at least our car was packed with a diesel with, <laughs> at least it was packed with four people so <laughs> but yeah i i think this is uh, one of the main important goals for the next couple of years in the dfl that uh, they set up some rules which will also be uh, covered in the also famous german licensee agreement for all the clubs and yeah they need to bring up a very good idea that uh, this is something that the clubs need to do and um yeah i'm quite curious how they will do it because there will be as we all know ways to get around it and you you just need to make sure that they don't have the chance to do it right i mean there are already stuff uh, things in place like i I think the visa stadium is covered in solar panels very environmentally friendly energy Karlsruhe had the floodlights off for one half of the of one of their matches to see if that would work on television at, you know, what was it, half past one during a sunny day. As it turned out, it did. I watched the match. So, I mean, there, there are many things that could be done to make the Bundesliga more energy efficient and more environmentally friendly. Anyways, uh, hopefully that will be uh, done in the future. Now let's take another look at the present, and there is the name of Alexander Zorniger, who um, many of you might remember from his time in Leipzig, where he had quite a chaotic stint as a coach. Mad pressing system. I mean, really mad pressing system. He Last I heard about him, I think he was in Denmark at Brøndby. I actually watched a match between Brøndby and another Danish team where he was in charge left that job and now he pops back up at Greuterford this weekend. So Greuterford, they've really struggled after being relegated from the Bundesliga. They find themselves entangled in the battle against relegation right about now. So what is the thinking behind hiring Alexander Zorninger now? 
There's none. No, I guess we talked about this in the last episode, how they sacked Schneider? God, if I can't even remember his name, that's that's really poor from him. But he was improving. We mentioned that he had double the points in the last three matches that he had all season. But the losing a lead to a 10-man Hansa Rostock was apparently the final straw for Azuzi. A, a and uh, yeah, now we've got Alexander Zoniger, who was actually, after Brunby, he was managing in Cyprus under Apollo Limassol. So he has come off that. That was his last job. He did all right there. But I'm guessing his football was as chaotic because if there's one thing about Alexander Zoniger, he will not change that system. He has never changed that system. It will be chaotic and it did work against Armenia Bielefeld who probably are the only team who looks worse than Greater Furt. They had less possession and more chances, more higher quality chances, just better play than Bielefeld on the weekend. And yeah, that man is more Red Bull blueprint tactics than nearly any other manager from the Red Bull school of thought, even probably more Red Bull than Ralph Ragnick himself. As you said, mad pressing system, high intensity, quick in transitions, and it probably will work because at least they have something. How long it lasts for, I don't know. We also have to benefit new manager bounce. So yeah, at least that have something this time round, because not even remember Daniel Schneider's name is um, not really, it really speaks volumes, actually. Oh, yeah, I thought it was Mark Schneider, but anyways. Oh, um... maybe it's Mark Schneider, <laughs> and I've just messed that up, so that is, a, I think I'm getting confused Daniel Schoening. Well, anyways, uh, I'm, you know, just, just looking at Alexander Zorniger's <laughs> uh, stats as a coach, um, he has had two very long stints as a coach. And uh, the first one was at RB Leipzig, that, which was in, in the lower divisions between uh, 2012 and 2015. Was sacked there after 953 days. The other one was at Brentby, where he uh, actually was for 980 days between 2016 and 2019. In between that, there was a stint at VfB Stuttgart, which only lasted for 15 matches, five wins, one draw, and nine losses. Wouldn't change that system. I remember Daniel de Darby talking after a match against Leverkusen where they actually had a, a was it a 3-1 lead and in the end lost 4-3. <laughs> and de Darby saying, well, at some point you have to concentrate on defending a lead, to which Sonica said, no, you don't. You just press, 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 press. Um, oh, God. So anyways, uh, funny side note. Mike, do you know who Alexander Zorniger's agent is? No. Thomas Megler. Oh. Who is known from St. Pauli. And talking about St. Pauli, there was a big celebration this weekend. Well, there was that 1-1 draw against Darmstadt, uh, Lucas Dajna. Doing the business for Zampaoli, securing that one point. Could have even secured three points, but his uh, late shot hit the post. But before the match even had started, the biggest highlight of the evening came. Mike, take us through that. Yeah, well, it's been so many highlights uh, during the last couple of weeks because our ultra group, USP, they are 20 years old now, finally. 
They started with a big celebration, I don't, I think three or four weeks ago, where also our under 23 team made a home game at the Milan Tour. And at that evening, they did have a big, big, big party with guests from all over Europe uh, in the stadium. And um, so on this weekend, they illuminated the harbor on Friday evening. it's, It's a Great picture. You can look it up on the Ultra St. Pauli uh, Twitter account, for example, with some pyrotechnic also in the background. And on Saturday evening, there was a big choreography uh, a banner over the whole Südkurve, which showed, yeah, well, stories out of 20 years of Ultra St. Pauli with the names of some people who died in the last couple of years uh, shown on it with the little Pauli, the mule coming out of the Jolly Roger with some banners from friends like Schickeria Munich and so on. And all this was told on that really, really, really impressive choreo. So it was really fun to watch and make pictures of it and then Later on that evening, take another look at that picture, zoom in and take a look at all these little highlights. So yeah, this was quite impressive. And unfortunately, the header from Dajna <laughs> went to the post and not inside the goal. <laughs> Quick fire talking points. Well, let me start with one. Sandhausen, once again, caught in the relegation zone. Only a 2-2 draw for them on the weekend against Braunschweig. They're now in 17th. So we'll see if they uh, do as Mike always says and get out of that quagmire that they currently find themselves in. They haven't really been on form. Jasmine, what's going on at Heidenheim? They're as inconsistent as ever, like every other team though. So they're still fourth, they're still floating about the promotion spots, but it seems that they're even more inconsistent than usual. They always have a uh, way back into the promotion spots but don't seem to take it which seems like uh, Mike's point that Sandhausen will never get relegated and Heidenheim will never get promoted is true. They have only lost two games a season but their wins and draw rate is the exact same six games each and they're just not converting or making as many chances as they should for a more stable team with a stable plan and manager. <laughs> and there was a little bit of Bundesliga 2 news that even Jasmine hadn't managed to get to uh, and was surprised when she found it in the script. Uh, and that is the fact that Mercer Slimbegovic's contract at Regensburg had extended itself by one season. So his contract runs now until 2024. At that point, he'll have been in charge for five years at Regensburg as he started there in 2019. Quickly, what do we make of his stint at Regensburg so far? Uh, mid. Great. Nice. Anyways, what a <laughs> lovely way to end this segment. We'll be back in a short gif talking about some low league stuff. Right, here we go. It's time to talk a little bit about some low league news and, well, not really an awful lot going on uh, in the divisions that has caught my eye whilst I was down with the flu this weekend. But Jasmine, you had a story lined up for us uh, and it's about Dynamo Dresden. What was going on there? 
Well, I don't know what's going on the pitch. They seem to be fluffing that up. But off the pitch, they got into a little bit of trouble after their 2-1 defeat at Waldhof Mannheim. The team bus on the way back was uh, attacked by supporters of FC Nuremberg at the rest stop on their way back. No one was hurt. No one was injured. Um, it was just a bit of verbal abuse, but they were attacked. There was an argument at the rest stop on the A6 uh, just before Nuremberg and Nuremberg fans who were on their way back from Kaiserslautern followed the bus and also turned into the rest area and there was a verbal dispute. Some two fans tried to break into the bus and they offended, abused the players and coaches, but it was primarily, it's not funny, and this is not funny, but it was primarily about Stefan Kutschka, who was an ex Nuremberg player from uh, 2015 to 2017, and was loaned to Dresden for a year at the time. And he only made six appearances at Nuremberg, but they mainly abused him. So, and for... I don't know why they did that. Like, I know, I get the thing about ex-players and stuff, but he wasn't really heavily involved at Nuremberg. And obviously we had a similar thing happen in Darmstadt-Nuremberg when they threw a beer, the Nuremberg fans threw a beer at Toby Kemper, who was also at Nuremberg for a year, once upon a time. So... Yeah, no one was injured by the incident. Police aren't looking into it, but sporting organisations under the both of them are to establish what happened and we will go from there. But yeah, not a fun time to be a Dresden player at the moment. You're not winning much on the pitch and your bus gets abused on the way back. Well, right now, the battle for promotion in the Dritte Liga is between Elversburg, 1860 Munich, uh, Ingolstadt, Saarbrücken, and one team I keep forgetting. It's Freiburg 2 on 27 points. That's why I keep forgetting them, because they cannot get promoted. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, Where did Wiesbaden go? They were there. Wiesbaden, Wiesbaden on 6 oh, uh, they lost two games. on 24 okay. points. So there you go. But, so that's that's what's going on in, in the Dritte Liga. Let's jump down one division to the Regionalliga Southwest, where we find VfR Arlen. So, Mike, what, what's going on with them? Yeah, well, they don't have any money left again and they will go into what is the english word it's not bankruptcy receivership receivership thanks yeah they're already in 2017 uh, if you might remember it they played second division uh, i think until 2016 if i'm not wrong and uh, now they are in the regionalliga and it's really doubtful that they will stay there for the next season so at the moment it's for sure that they can continue with their games until the end of this year but not until the end of the season hopefully they will manage to do that but even then they started the act of the receivership so uh, there will be probably a point reduction and it, it might be that they will end up playing uh, in the winter break if they continue they will probably even be relegated at the end of the season they are at three points clear of going down at the moment at least the team managed to get a 1-1 draw on the weekend after this news uh, has been announced 
at their rivals Formatia Worms, who do have the same number of points at the moment. So they are still alive, but they are struggling a lot. And I would not be surprised if this is the last season for them in League 4. Well, right now they're on 15 points, as you said. And right now the chat is that they're probably going to be deducted 9 points because of that. Yeah. So that would see them drop to rock bottom on six points right about now. And the way out of uh, the promotion places would take another six points. Well, it, it doesn't look good. There was a banner uh, at the match uh, between Arlen and Vomartia Bones, which said the board and the presidency, they should piss off. Verpisst euch. It uh, was written on that banner, which uh, might tell you a little bit about the atmosphere at the club. Uh, right now, the president and the board are looking into securing funds for the rest of the season. They want the local businesses to step up the game because they say that with the energy crisis, with the Ukraine war, with COVID, with dropping spectator numbers, we cannot survive in the fourth tier as it is. We need more money. And right about now, it's really up to really well-doers to cure the club's existence in the fourth tier for the rest of the season. And what happens after that is really up in the air. It's always quite sad to see teams that have a long history in the Bundesliga 2 and, and the Dritte Liga go bust like that. It happens every now and then. And that is because, financially speaking, it's really a balancing act to exist in those divisions because the competition to get to the top of those divisions is fierce and a lot of teams and clubs have taken financial shortcuts over the years and oftentimes it comes back to bite them in the arse and this might just be one of those stories anyways time for some ground hopping advice yes i promise to you that i do have some really special announcement and <laughs> i do today so uh, you should all pack your backpacks and travel to the motodrom halbemond which is in the northwestern edge of germany near cuxhaven i think and it's a usually a, a motor speedway ground which has a capacity of more than 30,000 and it was used for football in the good old days but not anymore. There was a test game some years ago but now for the World Cup they managed to get a real league game scheduled in that Motodrom Halbemond for the first time I don't know in, in 20 or 30 years and there will be the game in the zweite Kreisklasse Kreis Jade Weser Hunte. So if you want to look that up, it must be around eight or ninth league in total. I don't know. And there will be the game of, let me pronounce it correctly, uh, Spielgemeinschaft Sengwaden Federwaden <laughs> versus the SV Asted, Astede, Astede Feld. My God. Oh my God. So <laughs> Sengwaden Federwaden against Asterderfeld. You need to be there. We, we will probably bring up a link in the show notes because there is a Jimdo website from the SG Sengwaden Federwaden and they ask you to pick up your tickets with a PayPal address. They will send it to you and the game will be hosted on the 20th of November. Of course, the day of the first the weekend of the first games of the World Cup in Qatar and all the money they, they ask for 10 euros per ticket 
will be spent for some good uh, reasons. Uh, last time they did that, 5,200 euros were spent for charity. So they do have similar plans for today, uh, for, for this match. And of course, they also announced they are against racism, against discrimination of all kinds, against homophobia and violence. So uh, good guys. And I heard that they already sold uh, around 500 tickets. But as I said, 30,000 can be there, so there should be a seat left for you. <laughs> <laughs> you might even be able to pick up two. Anyways, I'll pack my diesel car and drive all the way from Norway by myself, uh, environmentally conscious as I am. Uh, anyways, this is it for another edition of Talking Foosball Extra, the Arctic edition. This show has been produced, as always, by Aiden Rantoul. Guys, always a blast chatting with you. Uh, Mike, where can people find your work and where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, on Twitter, it's Mike Cru, and the work can be found on the Milan Torn. Jasmine? Um, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jasmine Barber, where you can find my podcast series for DW Sports and also a new article that's come out about the number nine role of Germany in the upcoming World Cup. Great! You can find me, Nick Veltagen, at Norm Musings. You can find my work on the FC Quiz app. A new quiz coming out on Wednesday every week. It's all about the Bundesliga and German football in general. Uh, you can find the podcast at Talking Foosball. Uh, make sure to give us a rating in iTunes and other podcast stores. Up next on this channel is Talking Foosball Direct with Mr. Matt Herman. Until next week, it is goodbye for now. <laughs>